Welcome to The Rump, where we pick up the trash from the world and rummage through it uncontrollably. In the studio today, as always, we have Hardy, Dyson, Bluey, and myself, Ollie. And today we've got some topics that are going to make some blood boil, I reckon, fellas. I'm introducing our first official segment of our podcast, and this one, this one really deserves a name, and we've come to the conclusion the name is going to be called Battle Cry of Rage. <laughs> so, the reason we're calling it the Battle Cry of Rage is these won't necessarily pop up all the time, but this particular topic has really brought the blood to boil and um, reached level 10 on the rage meter. I want to give a little bit of a backstory, especially for international listeners here. There's quite a lot to unpack on this one. People in Uzbekistan. There's a lady by the name of Belle Gibson, 26-year-old. Now, about probably two years ago, she was busted with releasing a book, a wellness book called The Whole Pantry. It came out a few years ago with an app, and it was essentially about how to cure brain cancer through the use of natural remedies. And she made a lot of money out of it. I think she made close to $500,000 profit from book sales and app sales. But the catch is, she was writing this book under the claim that she was cured of her brain cancer through these natural remedies. Turns out, she never had brain cancer in the first place. So she's just pulled a massive lie on everyone, profited from people who have actually genuinely been diagnosed with cancer and made a huge profit from it, from her own false made-up diagnosis. This one's been rubbing me the wrong way for a couple of years. The thing is, she hasn't been fined for this yet. She's claimed to donate most of the money to various charities, but it turns out of the $500,000 that she's made, she's only donated $10,000. And she's even lied about donating money to a boy with an inoperable brain cancer, uh, which was just a complete lie. So the Australian government have tried to get her to court, and she's she's missed multiple court appearances, just done a no-show. Now it's got to the point where the government are trying to fine her of basically all of her profits, so I think upwards of about $410,000 fine she's got to pay. But she's refusing to pay it. So we're at a bit of a standstill. After two years of this, she's still got away with... With murder in my eyes, like this woman should be in prison. What, what kind of what kind of punishment does this woman deserve for claiming to have healed herself through natural remedies? And it's all just yeah, sounds like Charlie Goldsmith to me. <laughs> oh, Charles, oh, you can forget him. <laughs> well, I think it's a disgusting way that she's gone about it as well. I mean, what I've seen of it, she's said that she's cured herself of this brain cancer and she'd had all this chemo and stuff and she's gone to healthy foods and that's why she made the book and and grew all these followers on instagram social media who end up almost worshiping her as well she's she's found the cure for these um these cancers and they're the people that now that have no answers she's taken money from them lied to them been deceptive with them and these people that are actually sick with incurable disease She's taken their money that could be better spent elsewhere, and for me, it's it's such a low, low thing. It's it's sad, really. It's just really, really sad. Yeah, I agree. And look, to be fair, I don't know her personally, and I couldn't be any happier about that. What kind of person is this, though? Like, I, 
I saw her on an interview in 60 Minutes, and she was just a whack job. I have no words to describe the kind of stuff she was talking on 60 Minutes. She was just lying after lie. Like the, the 60 Minutes interviewer asked her a real simple question like, how old are you? And she, she couldn't answer it. It was like simple answers. She was like giving three different answers like I'm 23 but I've got two birthdays. And it's just like this, girl, this woman's crazy. And then on top of this, she's got a kid, a, a, like a four-year-old thing. How is she allowed to raise a child with the, the mental state she's in? So, so I don't know much about this tart, right? But do you? Re- I mean, I'm not trying to defend her in any way whatsoever. What she's done and what she's continued to do is pretty, pretty low, really. But do you reckon she was egged on by a manager or something like that? Like, I don't think. Well, I don't know, but I don't think she's capable of producing her own app and managing her own books, publishing deals, and that yeah. sort of stuff. So, do you reckon she was egged on by someone I, and, and probably got caught out a little bit? Didn't know when to exit. Or come clean, and in the end, she's clearly been busted. But mm. she just got rolled up in it and got pushed to continue to try and make money out of it. Yeah, I can't even believe yeah. I'm trying to defend oh, her, I, but you know what I mean. No, like, I like that you're trying I, I, to I give her a chance, but I, I, I'm not giving her. I, I'm not giving her. A I can't conceive that someone would be that stupid yeah. to do it in the first place, yeah. but then carry it on. Like, surely she was egged on by someone. Yeah, I don't know if she's got the brain capacity to build an app and write a like a legible book. Well, it can cure cancer, and so surely it can build an app. Either way, I think she was <laughs> severely misguided because it's evidently clear that if you want to make money through social media and having a following, just be completely unremarkable. You look at the Kardashians and all these dickheads. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just be completely naked. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> that's part of it. But, you know, you don't have to overcome something or do something amazing. You just have to be... A nobody who does nothing. Looks kind of good. Why don't I have followers then? Well, it's the looking kind of good bit, probably, <laughs> I'd say. Real head for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this Belle Gibson, she, from the interview I've seen with 60 Minutes, she's sick. You, you yeah. look at her and she's not sick with what she's claiming, but her head doesn't work not like a normal person's does. And what Hardy was saying, she got into this lie... And kept wading through the lie, going deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, piling lies upon pa- lies. Lies upon lies. And now in her head, she believes yeah, I think that so. she believes what she's made up and believe, believed everything she was doing was right. And now she's been found out. She's trying to backpedal on everything she's saying. I re- well, I, look, I didn't see the 60 Minutes interview, but from what you guys are describing, I reckon she's still lying her way out of the lie. She yeah. is, yeah. 100%. She's created reality from her lies. The scary part is she's profited on the most vulnerable people on the planet, yeah. cancer, cancer victims, you know, people going through real genuine struggles and selling almost fake remedies. I mean, the implications of that, if you took it to the next level, you're killing people. Because you're giving people the the hope and the belief that yeah, what you're, you're, just, you're not even giving people, you know, the people who are suffering from the actual disease. You're, it's families and friends yeah. that's surrounded by that as well. So it's it's much bigger. It's than It's so just, big. It's so big. It's the whole idea of some of these people legit would have believed Bell Gibson's natural remedies were going to help cure their cancer because it cured Bell's. So they're getting on board this, and there probably is a circumstance where some of them neglected their actual legit brain doctors or whatever. Chemo and all that kind Chemo. Of she deserves hard time. I'm talking 10 years hard time. She, she needs to be scrapped of all the cash that she's made, and then some. Well, there lies the issue. I, I don't think she's got the cash anymore. Well, I don't care. Take everything off her. Everything. I'd like to Every extend. single cent. Give her some advice. <laughs> You've got a debt. 
you need to pay off. There's 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 one thing you've. What learned. you want to go on a payment plan? <laughs> Throw her in jail and be done with it. Here, yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. She's seen how successful you can be when you can relate to a bunch of people and get them on board with something. So she needs to do the same sort of formula for how to be a pathological liar and live with yourself and feel good about it. Because there's a lot of those people out there. I guess we're talking about her having to repay every every cent, but like Blue was saying, this is more than money. Yeah, it's this, more. This is, this is deeper than money. These, there, there may well have been people who have died because they've given up their actual treatment because they were believing what this dribble that Bell was speaking, and that's more than way more than any money amount that she's taken from them, but that's just part of it. More to the point, how long ago was she charged, convicted, and sentenced to pay? She's never turned up in court. Never. From what I know. Never no. once. And this would have been at least two years ago. The court have issued a two letters now, apparently, to pay the $410,000 fine. Apparently her lawyer said she refuses to pay. That was a quote from Bell. I refuse to pay. So she still thinks she's She still in the believes. Line. That's the waiting through the lie, just lying to lie. They should, they Why the to... hell the government aren't just being like, this it, I'm sick of this. We're, we're taking you to the grave on this one. Let's go medieval times. Let's put her in the, in the gallows. <laughs> yeah. And we'll throw all the veggies from her recipe at her face. Yeah. <laughs> I want a big cob of lettuce right <laughs> smack in her face. I mean, tomatoes, un, you know, unripe tomatoes. I want to launch them eighty miles an hour into her eyeballs. Let's just but, go. Let's go Game of Thrones. We'll um, march her through the streets. Shame. Shame. She d- shame. It's got to that point. I'm disappointed as well in the government not taking enough hard enough action. It's dragged on for two or three years now. We're yet to see some justice, and you know, battle cry of rage will live on. Bell Gibson. You'll you'll see the rage at one point. Can I uh, can I <laughs> off the cuff suggest a uh, a bit of an update on Bill regularly? Because I think we need to follow this and and when she gets nailed to the cross, I think we need to celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. Let's let's move on today. I've got a um I got a bit of an observation that's uh, getting on my nerves a little bit around our office building at work. Uh, so when I go out or into the building um, to go get food or whatever, I find myself I'm walking the walkways and I always get always get someone trying to stop me on my way. So there's always a couple of people either working for a charity, animal activists, whatever. They always ask. They always ask you to stop and do you have to have a second for a chat. And I'll be honest, I never never stop, just because it's pretty it's pretty persistent. What's your staple response to these people? Uh, I'm I'm more just I, I'm trying. Do, be, do you say something or do you just keep walking? I'm, yeah, yeah. I try and be as polite as I can. Be like, sorry, can't stop today. It gets a bit far. I understand what they're doing. I understand there's a lot of good causes out there. You just don't want to support them. <laughs> Not, not saying that, but my real problem with them is if I go, if I'm polite enough and say, "Oh, sorry, I can't stop today," the problem is when I walk away, then they say I've had a couple of them on occasions have comments after I walked away saying, "Oh, sorry, well, these animals don't have much time either, or something." Like they make these sly comments after you walk away, yeah, trying you, to guilt you into it. You can't be running the guilt trip on someone yeah, when totally. they're not interested. It's it's a tough gig. I get it. Um, it takes it takes a Tough skin to be able to ask some some stranger for money and and you know that little five second pitch that you've got to get someone interested. But when someone says no, and if they say no politely, there's there's no reason to come back with the old guilt trip. I reckon that's pretty rough. There's yeah. a bit, there's a big problem going on. So <laughs> a lot of these so called charities, right? They don't have the money or the resources to 
actually put people in the streets and organise this kind of campaign to raise money. So they hire third-party companies. And the charity only gets what's left after expenses. So all these third-party companies, they cost money. So there's not a lot left for the poor little animals or whoever in Africa. It's a really sad situation. But, you know, you look around and there's all these homeless people collecting money. Feels like we could kind of put them to work, give them a cut. Works for everyone. It's it's <clears throat> it's voluntary. You get a little bit of a cut back. It's doing it for a good cause. It's for charity. What's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, this is a universal issue. This isn't just happening in our city. It's happening everywhere. You got these. You got these kind of like charity groups that kind of almost trap you in certain parts of the city. So the bridge where we are, you've got nowhere to go. So they kind of like funnel you in like a um, a fishing line trap. <laughs> and they get you, and they're like, so um, can I just uh, borrow you for a minute? I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got to go to work. And they're like, oh, it will, 30 seconds, that's all, I promise, that's all it'll take. I'm like, I've got to go to work, stop pushing. And it's just, it's, this is happening every day to the point where we, we do eventually become desensitized and just don't even respond now. Sometimes we just walk past it, so it's getting too much. But you get the, uh, the, you get the occasional person trying to pull the, the good looks tactic. I don't know if you guys have come across this one. It's like... <laughs> All the, the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, girl ca- the girl will catch your eyes from a good distance away. A girl? Oh, well, I mean, there's been guys too, for sure. And I'll catch it from a good distance away, and they'll be like, the first comment's like, oh my God, like those eyes are just amazing. And I'm like, worth I about know 20 you're bucks try- a month, I, I reckon. I know you're trying to sell me, um, you know, some sort of Greenpeace product. But I just think this, Wait till you see the rest. Oh man, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's not. It's not the the problem's not the charity and what they're doing is great for a great cause and we all probably donate to charity. It's for me. It's the sly comments that I've had after yeah. I've walked past that are trying to guilt me into it. Like there's a certain way to, to go about it. And like I said, we cop we cop it every day in day out. Happens all the time. And you're always getting these these guilt trips. Like it's not for me. It's just not the right way. To nah, be this whole business this. model needs to be abolished. Like most of us, if we do feel the obligation to donate to a charity, a sponsored child, um, some sort of like environmental program, most of us will have a genuine passion for something and go out and chase it ourselves. And this kind of hammering us on the way to work every day, it's just getting to the point like. These companies must realize this isn't working. Like their their fallout rate of employees would be ridiculous. Like, how many people can withstand just everyone saying no for a whole week? It must be phenomenal. Their turnover rate. Yeah, there's some. There's a lot of bigger issues <laughs> involved in what you're saying. But oh yeah, I, I think that the whole sales wrong. They're not getting anywhere with that. For starters, let's look at the let's look at what they have to do in order to reach their goal. They have to pull someone up generally in the morning when they're on the way to work or in the afternoon when they're on the way home. Good luck. You already lost probably 95% of your potential there. Two, here's the sales pitch. You've got two minutes of your time so you can tell you something really depressing and then you can sign me up or I'll sign you up and then you can just basically give this cash every month even though you've got all this debt and probably expenses you've got to cover yourself, you've got a family, you've got to support, you don't get paid enough at work. But, you know, maybe give a couple of bucks, we'll take 90% of it and then a poor dog in bloody East Africa again. <laughs> the rest. No! That's not. Oh, it's not it. going to happen. Oh, oh, it's gold. No one's going to. They're persistent, and it's it's going to keep. It'll keep on keeping on. Can I go off the record? Yesterday, someone came up to me and said, 
um, oh, just who I've been looking for. And I, and I've just walked past them and I was like, sorry, I can't stop today. And I just thought to myself, you shouldn't be looking for me, mate. You should be looking for a real job. <laughs> <laughs> So each week, it seems we almost always seem to have a sports topic. So I wanted to call this segment White Line Fever. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Chalk flew up. All right. So at the moment, <laughs> um, the Wimbledon tennis is on, uh, getting towards the, the business end of the tournament. The pointy end. I have a fairly strong opinion about this issue, and it's basically women getting paid the same amount as men in the Grand Slam tournaments, yet they're still only playing three sets to the men's five. Best of three. What do you think about that? Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's all right. I don't have an issue with it. (laughs) Well, I do. (laughs) Let me just gather that. (laughs) Let me just get into this one. A little bit of history. Fact check. In 2007, Wimbledon became the last of the four major tournaments to award equal prize money, with the US Open rolling out pay parity in 1973, the Australian Open in 2001, and the French Open in 2006. So it's been, it's been close to 11 years now that women have been getting paid the same amount as men for playing less sets. And I could break this down into a few different ways. The first one's the obvious one is why are the women getting paid the same amount as men for playing less sets? It's essentially the same as if I was to have the same job as someone in this room, we both work, we both do the exact same thing. We go to work eight hours a day, both the same qualifications, same industry experience, and they're earning the same as me, but they're only working three days out of the five. You could break it down to that. These men are playing significantly longer matches to the women. Yet they're pulling in the same prize money. That's how's that equality? Like if women are pushing for this equality, acknowledge that they're not playing the same amount of sets, so that's fine. They don't deserve the same amount of prize money. It's just simple maths. It doesn't quite add up. It doesn't add up. Hmm. I think one way of arguing around that would be, you know, the prize money should be awarded in relation to ticket sales and profitability. And women's tennis probably does the same amount of ticket sales in terms of you know, bums on seats in the crowd. Well, come finals time. Yeah. Oh, I'm so gonna, the, yes, I'm going to pull that apart. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> you can have a go at it. Continue, Dyson. In general, I would say that men's tennis is far more profitable. Obviously, uh, just because it's it's had a lot had a lot longer to build itself for starters. Profitable for who? For tennis. Yeah. <laughs> just clarifying whether for you Nike, meant whether you meant the the players in general Adidas, profit more for from sponsorships <laughs> or whether the for Lacroix sportif. <laughs> <laughs> it's look it, it makes more money in general overall um, that's why you have probably I'd say much larger sponsorship money being paid to the males so Roger Ferrer's just signed a new deal with Uniqlo I think Uniqlo yeah I'm not sure how much that was but it was for quite a hefty amount he's left Nike um, and he just got knocked out of Wimbledon yeah, yeah that don't leave have, Nike that wouldn't mate. have come cheap no yeah leaving Nike wouldn't have come cheap no it, it'd be a big amount and I think prize money aside that's probably maybe 10% of his earnings, if that. He'd be earning a heap of money through sponsorships. So I think in re- in that regard, you know, prize money isn't a massive factor when it comes to fairness and profitability. So you're saying sponsorship should, money should be the same for men and women then? Hell no. So this is where I'm at, right? I'm, I'm sort I th- of... I, 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 don't, don't, I don't care either I don't way, yeah? I don't see an issue with it. I see there's, there's an old... There's a quote that I'll get to that sort of sums it up for me, right? You've got TV rights sold as a collective... 
you've got attendance as a general rule is collective. People turn up and they watch both uh, physically, I'm talking about. Physical attendance is on par regardless of who's playing, male or female. You've got sponsorship revenue is a collective. So tennis itself is making a sponsorship for their events as a collective. They don't break it out. Yet what you're trying to do is argue that, what you're trying to argue is that if you break it down, you're making a case as to why it should be different prize money for male and female when as tennis, you know, tennis as a whole is a sum of its parts. So tennis itself grows because it's got double the uh, participation rate because the lure is the same for both male and female. That's that's how I see it. I don't see you know, an issue with it being on par. I see that men play more sets. They, uh, generally, that men are physically stronger than females, therefore they can play more sets. Yeah, that's the, life. Women, that's not, that's life. Fe- females are still exerting the same amount in, of uh, energy and effort yeah, but their bodies. Th- yeah, but they're, 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 that's because that's what their body's capable of. That's... Who says that their body's less capable? Be careful, um, Harding. Biology. <laughs> it's simple mathematics. If women want equal no, rights, no, it's science. Biology. No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not biology because in the eighties, women, or maybe it was the seventies or eighties, but um, women weren't allowed to do long distance running marathons until you know. Not that long ago, really. Until we worked out it was okay. And then it turns out that women can run marathons fine. And I'd say just the same with tennis. Women probably can play five sets just just as well. Men not, could probably play seven sets. Yeah. So simple mathematics. If women want equal rights, equal pay, play your five sets in grand slams just the same as men. I'll have no argument on that. But there's two sides to this. Dyson, you brought up the whole drawing crowds. And it was funny. Novak Djokovic actually um, stirred a bit of controversy he he argued that women's tennis attracts smaller crowds, therefore generating less money for the sport, and their matches are far shorter. So that came from Novak Djokovic. But then on the flip side of this, and I don't necessarily agree with this one, um, the Indian Wells Tennis Garden CEO, so one of the CEOs who runs one of the big tennis tournaments for the year, he, um, he really stirred some controversy, and he made a series of inflammatory remarks claiming women ride on the coattails of men. If I was a lady player, I'd go down every night on my knees and thank God Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal were born because they have carried the sport. Now, I think that's going too far, but I would like to take just a slight step back to that and look at some real statistics here. So, Hold up, hold up. There's a lot of fact-checking going on. Yeah, I'm really yeah. not sure about this shit. <laughs> no, but on, on that topic you speak about, my general opinion is, you know what, prize money, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because if you're good enough, you're going to win that prize money. You deserve it. Great. And if you're a really good tennis player and you are a draw card and people like you and you're a profitable person, then you'll get a shitload of sponsorship dollars. So in the end, I think if you look at it on average, the male tennis players are getting paid a lot more than the female tennis players given the sponsorships that come with it. Does that mean we give them handouts for the tournament then as well, just because of that? That's just like giving handouts. No, Just I don't know if that's a handout. Sorry for that? I think at the end of the day... It's the a pr- tournament against the best tennis players in the world. Matter. It's not a tax break. Ah, look. Yeah, the prize pool is... This is statistics, mate. Okay, I'm going to read out a few statistics. Wimbledon's men's final last year, 9.2 million views for the men's final. The women's final, 4.3 million views. It's almost half the amount of views. So that's like... We're talking not... We're not even talking amount of time they're playing on the court. We're talking pure numbers on value of viewership. Then uh, that was that was BBC. And in Australia, Channel 7's views, 1.2 million views for the men's final and 700,000 for the women's. Then I got this thing where Serena Williams has... She was claiming, you know, 
people come up to me all the time and they're like, oh, um, I only watch tennis so I can watch you. I'm like, that's not a real statistic. That's just you blabbing your quotes, you know, out. The real statistic <laughs> is like in America, Serena, Serena Williams' own country, the most watched day of tennis at Wimbledon on ESPN was the men's final, which provided a record-breaking 24.4 million live views, like significantly more than the women's, the most ever for a single day of tennis. So it's clearly like even Serena Williams, probably the most influential women's tennis player, isn't anywhere near the levels of what the men are pulling in, yet she's still earning the same amount. And then I went into how many sets they're playing over the tournament. And Novak Djokovic played 24 sets to Serena Williams, 16 sets. And it was somewhere towards 16 hours of gameplay versus Williams' 10 hours of gameplay. There's a big discrepancy of an amount of grinding out on the court. These guys are working hard just the same as the women, but they're doing it for longer. I, I don't see the fairness in just paying them the same amount because the overall conglomerate of tennis is doing well. Let's just hand out charity to the women on this one. They don't. They deserve the same amount of money in percentage from viewership and time played on the court. Uh, that's To me, that's where it's at. Well, it's, it's up to the tournaments to set the prize pool, yeah? Yep. So in essence, essentially, the issue at hand is... If male tennis players feel they're getting underpaid for the work they do, they should probably be taking a stand. Is that fair enough? No, because none of these players are going to take a stand because you know they're going to get slaughtered in this um, PC world at the moment. None of them are going to take a stand. They're all going to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to take this up the tailpipe and suck it up. <laughs> well, then have And it's we... only guys like me that are going to try to fight the fight for no reason, really. Have we but... uncovered the real societal issue we have in our hands, which is males are afraid to stand up for themselves these days? Yeah, 100%. Males are afraid. Novak Djokovic backtracked on his statement trying to say, you know, like, if Serena Williams does pull in more viewers, she deserves more pay. It's like the men want to say something, but then they get so much backlash, they kind of backpedal and try to, like, squeeze their way out of a, the situation. And it, there is a big issue here. Men are too afraid to speak up about the inequality of this situation. I guess this is something that came across is not related to prize money, but we were looking at the other day when we saw an article that was written by a journalist, and he said that one of the American tennis players, I think Madison Keys, was watching a male's match or something. Well, she was talking about a male's match, sorry, and she said in the media, why why would I want to w- watch a male's match? That That's boring. They just serve aces and... That why would I want to sit at a court and watch a big guy serve thirty four aces and and win a match? That's just boring. And then if can you imagine if yeah, um, I love this. If, this can you can you imagine if a male would had come out? Djokovic comes out and says, "Oh, why would I want to go and watch a female tennis game? Because that's boring. They oh he would have been they don't serve as fast as we do. Why would on, we bother? Is is that, is that not Oli's is that not fair? He would have been ap- if Novak Djokovic went out of his way and just said, look. I'm not watching women's tennis because it looks slow. Their tennis rackets look way too big for their bodies. This the whole thing looks awkward. I mean, he would be destroyed. So why is it fair for this woman just to have her opinion and it's just brushed under the rug like it's nothing? That's fine. She can say that because she's a female. Because men are tough, mate. Men can handle it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what fair enough. It's, it's more than fair enough for her to have an opinion. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's not, but... I for what she was saying, what? Yeah, I think I think she should have an opinion. But I, I think agree. everyone should have an opinion equally, and yeah. it doesn't matter. I have no issue with her opinion. She Just can be honest. Slay, she, she, at least she's being honest. But she can slay the men all she wants. But the men should feel free enough to do the same back, and they're not. And we know that they're not because we know the implications. If a man says anything remotely honest, 
about women's tennis or how boring it can be sometimes or the annoying grunts from Maria Sharapova that is, is like I nail mean, scra- ah! like nail scratching a chalkboard. I mean, come on. I think I think we're all a bit divided on this because yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for me because they're they're playing less, but they're still they're pl- they can only play what they're given the women. So they can only, that's the rules. They only play best of three. Men play best of five. It's been like that forever. So I suppose they're both both male and female. They're both elite athletes. They're both performing at the highest level. So I tend to agree with everyone uh, in the room right now. I mean, you all make valid points. You know, my point was that I know that the tennis as a whole is uh, some of its parts. You don't really need to break it down. Mm-hmm. But I actually do see your argument. They don't play uh, on par with males. So I reckon we're going to have to sit on the fence with that one. And I reckon it's probably one of the first ones and last ones this year we will. But we're going to sit on the fence with this one, guys. That's it from the rump. We've acted like asses, we've spoken like asses, and we're at the arse end of this program. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.